I'm going to hit record. All right. So whenever you're ready, you can go ahead and do that. Hey, everyone. I'm Sandra Scheinbaum from Functional Medicine Coaching Academy, and I hope you'll listen in. All right. Thanks. That was awesome. Good work. All right. So I have to hit stop on the recorder, and then I'll be right back. Okay. All right. Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith, where he guides you down the road differently traveled by sharing unique experiences with guests who have managed to shift away from a life stuck on cruise control and veered their way into a more authentic and fulfilling one in all sorts of interesting and kind of remarkable ways. Get ready to Vroom Vroom Veer with your differently traveled road chauffeur, Jeff Smith. Tucker, thank you very much for being on Vroom Vroom Veer, and welcome to the show. How's it going? It's going great. Thanks, Jeff. How are you today? I'm great. Uh, other than the fact that it's cold and and kind of cloudy and might rain, that might screw up my plans to take a walk. Yeah. Well, that's, that's not good. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, no, I'm having a good day. Okay, cool. So, and the weather over there in St. Louis, as you said, was beautiful, and people are like cruising around and by the river. Yeah, it's awesome. It's... Uh, Mid 60s, it's sunny, um, beautiful day. A lot of people are out milling about, so it's nice to see. Nice. Well, yeah, yeah you know, this time of year is, uh, you know, you got to take whatever nice weather you can get, right? Yeah, I think we're probably 20 degrees uh, warmer than normal. Right. Yeah, I grew yeah. up in the Midwest, so I know. Whenever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because we're going we're gonna to have some days in March where we wish we would have had this weather. Oh, yeah. You know, when I grew up in Michigan, we had snow uh, as late as May. Hmm. As crazy as I know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that 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 would be a shock to the system for me. We Uh, actually went camping, and we were out, and we are like the only people in the park, and it was like May fifth, and uh, it was really cold Friday night, and then Saturday morning we woke up into a snowstorm. It was crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. So we packed up and went home. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably a good thing. (laughs) Okay. So uh, before we get too deep into the Pulp Fiction story of your life, uh, let's talk a little bit about ChangescapeWeb.com and what you've got going on in your business that you're most excited about. Okay. Well, I think the most exciting thing that uh, we've got going on is we're, you know, we're really doing a lot with marketing automation and, uh, you know, really trying to find ways to transform, you know, people, uh, their traditional websites that, you know, can be pretty static and transform those into lead generation machines. And so that's where, you know, that's where we're spending a lot of time and effort working on those things. It's, uh, it's fun to play with that technology. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty cool to see what's possible. And honestly, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, no, and it's it's getting better. It it's, is. It's definitely getting less annoying, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's that. That's the key thing for yes. sure. Yeah, because you have to have things that you know. What I would like to see, you know, and this is one of those things like, um, you know, how everyone's when you're reading your favorite website, whatever that might be, a blog or you know whatever content website you're rolling around on. You read for a while, you scroll down, and it'll ask you to, to subscribe to their newsletter. And I'm fine with that, cause, but 
my first thing was like, can't it remember that I'm already subscribed? <laughs> yeah, really. That I mean, would be yeah, neat because that, would, they haven't they haven't developed that yet. So yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. The, the the biggest innovation I've seen was on a website called Wait But Why, which is a really cool blog. Um, instead of popping up right in the middle of the page, taking up all the space and making you hit X, it it just popped up over to the side, and it let me keep reading. Right. Mm-hmm. right. <laughs> so that was an improvement. Yeah, yeah. And I Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there are definitely some things, you know, I mean, the the interruptive technology it, it's annoying, but it works. I know. I know that's, uh, that's why thing. people keep using that's why it. People but do but, it. but right. I, you know, for me, uh, maybe it's just because I'm I'm a Midwesterner, you know, it, it's uh I, I kind of like this non-intrusive thing that you just talked about, you know, where it's 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 there but it's on the side, so it's not going to keep you from doing what you're there on the side to do. I think that might be a Midwestern thing. <laughs> Maybe it is. <laughs> I think so. It's like we're we're grown, uh, we're sort of like a little bit more socialized not to bother folks, right? Yeah. I, you know, we don't. I, yeah. You know, it's like shh. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's always like, well, did, did, is it your turn to talk? <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's a well, big deal. So, growing up. Yeah. Well, it, well, for me, with my family, I mean, this is a classic example. Uh, I think my wife laughs at me because her family was a little bit different, even though she only grew up, a, you know, 100 and 150 miles away or so. But, you know, when we were around the, the, the dinner table as a family, there'd be like one dinner roll left on the plate, you know, right. and you could tell that everybody wanted it and nobody would take it. Nobody would take it <laughs> until my wife came along and then she came along and she's like, well, if nobody else is going to take this, I'll grab it. Right. <laughs> and and so, then you're all looking yeah. at her like she's from an alien from another planet. She, yeah. She's not playing was, the game right. Yeah. 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 It was, it was, uh, it was a strange sight to see the first couple of times. Sure. No, yeah. you're right. Everybody in the Midwest does that. It's like everybody wants that last slice of pizza, but they're going to tell <laughs> everybody else to take it before they take yeah. it. Yeah. It's like this game that we were taught as kids. Yeah, very much. <laughs> That's hilarious. Much. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, this is Vroom Vroom Veer. So again, it's like the uh, the story of your life, not necessarily chronologically. So, okay. so we don't necessarily need to start at the beginning. So let's start at the story about um, how you decided to run for office. So okay. I'm, I'm curious about that. It sounds like uh, it was quite the experience. So walk us through it. Yeah. Well, um, so I guess it was the uh, the winter of um, 2014. Okay. And Pretty recent. My uh, yeah. Um, my a couple of things happened that uh, that really got me motivated to to run for office. Um, not exactly sure why, but um, I you know I'd been involved a little bit in politics in the past, and it's not anything I ever expected to do was, you know, to run for office. Um, but my best friend from high school, um, who lived in the St. Louis area, but we really hadn't stayed, uh, in, in close touch with each other. We used to work with each other while we were up here for a while. Uh, he, he passed away, you know, in his, um, you know, 50s, 50 or so. And, you know, that was kind of a jolt to the system. Yeah, that's a shame. My my dad grew up. He was uh, he was a union guy most of his life, okay. and um, and and on his on what would have been his birthday, I heard a story about um, labor unions um, and and you know there's a law called right to work that uh, they've been trying to pass in the state of Missouri for a long time, and 
you know, that's, uh, that's kind of anti-union and I was that they were doing it, just talking about that story on there. And, and I just thought, you know, it's my dad's birthday. What would he want me to do? You know, I was, I was thinking my, my business was struggling a little bit. I wasn't really satisfied with the direction it was going. Okay. And so those two events uh, were kind of the trigger factors to get me to decide to run for office. And then, hmm. you know, I mean, I'm a very, very much an introverted, introverted person. I, right. I, I can do one-on-one conversations, no problem. I do a lot of presentations and a lot of public speaking. That's not a problem. But from, I'm not a networker. I'm not a small talker. You know, I'm not the mm. kind of person that can just walk up to anybody and start a conversation. That stuff's really hard for me to do. Okay. Well, you know, it, it, you can probably tell by my uh, the, the fact that I'm, you know, su- supporting unions that I'm a Democrat. Right. Okay. And so, um, you know, as a Democrat, the way you win office, uh, because we usually can't and don't raise as much money as, uh, as our uh, counterparts, um, on the Republican side, and that's an overgeneralization probably, but you know, in, right. in my world, that was very much the case. Um, the way you win elections is you knock on doors and you talk to voters. Very grassroots and, style. Yeah. You get a and, lot of people that are really excited, right? Yeah. Okay. So for, for me, it was, uh, it was taking me completely out of my comfort zone. I had to knock, I, you know, my campaign, I think we knocked on over 16,000 doors. Wow. Uh, I personally knocked on over 9,000 doors. And, uh, you know, that was, yeah, I mean, it was basically, it was a full-time job. I mean, I worked, Mm. uh, knocking on doors. I probably did that four to five hours a day while I was running my business, um, from the end of May until, um, election day. And, you know, that, uh, what I found, uh, honestly, is there was kind of a boomerang effect, honestly, after I ran uh, and I didn't win, um, uh, I, I, it really made me, in certain respects, even more introverted. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, while I, I while I had a fantastic opportunity, I mean, I, I loved, you know, doing the campaign. Uh, it, it was it was way easier for me to get out there and do that. But it, uh, you know, if you're if you know anything about an introvert, we kind of have to flip a switch mm-hmm. to to go into that extrovert mode, and then it just wears us out, and yeah. we need a lot yeah, yeah, of yeah. a lot of recovery time. Right. And and so I'm still kind of in that recovery time mode. Wow. Maybe it's, maybe I use it as a, as an excuse now too, a little bit, but, mm-hmm. uh, but still it's, uh, you know, it's hard for me to think about, you know, putting myself out there as much, but I, t- I tell you, you know, there, we live in such a nasty age in, in, in the political world anymore. Um, you know, both sides are attacking each other and it can be pretty fierce at times. I have to say that, um, you know, I could count on the, uh, you know, on both hands, the number of times that when I knocked on a door and talked to a voter, that it was, it was a, you know, it was not a pleasant conversation. They were, you know, they were pretty rude. Everybody was genuinely glad to see you, even if they don't agree with your hmm. party or your political philosophy. Okay. Um, it was, so that, from that perspective, it was, it was really nice. Yeah. It's kind of like a hope affirming kind of idea. It was. More it or was. Less. Yeah. It, yeah, and you know what? I would encourage everybody to run for office at some level, mm. um, or work on a political campaign where you're where you're really intricately involved in the campaign because you just learn a lot. And it's important for us to understand how our political system works. Right. It's important to see, you know, why people have to make the decisions that they make. Uh, we may not like it. Uh, maybe that'll help us to motivate, you know, how how our whole political system is is running uh, today. But I, I, I it, for me, it was. Was a great experience. I would, I would say I would do it again. I, I, I won't um, <laughs> because because I know what it'll do to me. Right. But I, but it, but you know, I would I would certainly recommend it for anybody who has any 
any little inkling about it, it, it was a great experience. So what did you learn mostly? I, oh, you, the other comment that I wanted to make was, yeah, I want to find out what you, what the key lesson and the takeaway that you, I, I already got the fact that, you know, you were inspired by, you know, mm-hmm. at least generally speaking, you can count on the number of, you know, one hand or two uh, yeah. people that were, you know, just ugly and, and rude, you know, just, just at you showing up at the door, but most people, yeah, that's, were nice. Yeah. Even if they yeah. disagreed with you, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but the, the other thing is, is uh, the best definition that I heard between an extrovert and an introvert is um, there was an, a lady who labeled herself introverted. And she said, uh, as an introvert, it, uh, I have to use energy to do this speaking in front of you. <laughs> it drains me, right? And yeah. an extrovert is the opposite. They are energized by interaction. I, yeah, I, I would believe yeah. that. I mean, right. I, you know, I've got a good friend who is running for office again. And I mean, he's the definition of the energizer bunny. I mean, right. you just see right. him feed off of this, you know, yeah, and yeah. it's, it's like, wow, uh, we're so different. And he, he was an inspiration to me, you know, and helping me decide to run as well. I mean, he was definitely a factor, but the two big trigger events were the death of my, you know, my high school friend and, right. you know, me, me, it, maybe it was part of a midlife crisis saying, you know, gosh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm around 50 years old. Uh, is there something more I could do with my life? Oh yeah. Because you know, that, that sort of like wakes you up to that, that whole, you know, I'm going to die, <laughs> which we all kind of know. But right. when someone close to you dies, then, you know, I can say, you know, I have to knock on something, knock on wood. I haven't had um, like I've had family members, obviously, you know, um, mm-hmm. but no one that I was really close with personally, friend wise hmm. pass yet. Yeah. That's why I have to knock on wood. So I don't know what that's like. I can I can imagine, but I yeah. don't know what it's like. But I can imagine it would definitely awaken some, you know, interesting and, you know, life changing sort of thoughts and feelings. Yeah. Yeah. It was um I mean, you know, I I, I guess it was probably the first time I had really come across that as well, you know, where somebody uh other than a, a relative, you know, um had passed away and I, you know, I, how do I deal with that? So even though we weren't particularly close anymore, you know, we spent, uh, you know, we spent four or five years, you know, where we were in almost constant communication. So, right. Right. Well, yeah, I would imagine again, I'm just imagining that you go, wow, you know, he is, you know, just like me. (laughs) Yeah. And if he could be like dead, just like that, you know, um, it just, it's a, like a wake up call, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I, I guess my, you know, the biggest um, takeaway or, or life lesson that I got from that was, uh, you know, I mean, so there was a business lesson that I got from that. Um, okay. I've very much been in the digital marketing world. I had no experience whatsoever, um, you know, in uh, in the print um, or advertising, uh, you know, uh, like television or radio advertising space. And so I got, I got an exposure to that. So that was really fascinating and it gave me a better perspective. And I think it gave me honestly a better toolkit when I came back to my business, uh, of understanding the value of those things and how I could, you know, how I could integrate those into the digital stuff that I was already doing. Right. Um, from, uh, from, you know, from a personal perspective, um, you know, I, I guess, um, 
you know, the biggest thing for me was just, um, finding out that, um, you can do things that you don't think you can do, you know, and, (laughs) and, uh, you know, we all face self doubt. We all, you know, we all have, have to deal with things like that. And, uh, it was, it was pretty cool to, to see how I was able to just kind of kick into a different mode. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I mean, I, um, I'll, I'll tell you one of the things that I'll never, ever forget is, um, I was knocking on the doors and when you talk to, you know, 9,000 plus voters over the course of several months, um, you know, I mean, everything kind of starts to blur together a little bit. Right. Right. I can imagine. I I, I got a check from somebody and it was for $10 and they wrote a note in there and they said, we sure hope you can win this election. Um, you know, we're so glad that you're running. Um, you know, my husband just lost his job. I haven't worked for six months. Sorry, we can't do more, you know? And it's like that. I I mean, just telling that story again gives me goosebumps because those people didn't have the money to spend, uh, you know, and, and I'll never, ever forget that, uh, that, that meant the world to me. And, and I honestly, I think every politician on the planet needs to stop and think about that kind of stuff because you know you've got people who are doing things that are truly heroic on what they're doing um and and never lose sight of the fact of that right uh, right it's right. just so important uh, i i i just i'm almost speechless when i think about it mm. yeah and it's so easy to be cynical and jaded about the whole it, thing it really is you know? it is so when when you go out there and Maybe it's a little bit of naivete. Um, maybe it's just an honest sort of authentic, you know, you want to help and change things. But then you can't, I would imagine, this is a, a, like a question. Did you get a little bit more cynical and jaded by the end? <laughs> um, not not in the process of running. Okay. Um, you know, if I would have served, I would have been That's very true. much in a minority. And, and that would have been a really... A, interesting experience because there was, there's really no hope of, of having a political agenda. If I would have won, mm, uh, the best, wow. I, the best I could have been was, you know, a good loyal opposition. Gotcha. Uh, so that would have been an interesting experience. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it was, uh, it was a fantastic experience and, and, you know, I, I wasn't jaded at all. I mean, I didn't like the fact that I had to raise, you know, the money that I had to raise, but, um, but, you know, in a certain respect, it, it was also, it was like, it was running a, a brand new business right. and, and, and you need to think about it in those terms because you've got to finance, um, you know, all of your marketing and, and you, if you have paid staff, which I, I didn't, but I, you know, I, I did hire a couple of independent consultants toward the end just because I had, I actually was more successful in raising more money than I expected. And so, <laughs> nice. uh, yeah, yeah. And so I was able to take advantage of some of that, but, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I do wish we, we, we've got to find a way to get, uh, as much money out of politics as we can. Um, mm. it, it can be a corrupting force for sure. Uh, right. it is a big stressor. I know, I know, you know, people who've run for, uh, Congress where they basically, uh, they're on the phone, you know, 10 hours a day trying to raise money. Right. Um, and, and that's just not right. I, I mean, that's craziness. Mm. And, and we've, we've got to find a way to, to get ourselves out of that mode. Uh, you know, if we want to sustain and have a great country. No, for sure. You know, I've got a friend who lives in France and he just thinks our, our political system is just corrupt. 
that, you know, he'll just say, mm, no, that wouldn't yeah. fly in, in, in France, you know, and yeah. it's in other countries, you know, they, the people still have, you know, a say in power, you know, and the government mm -hmm. can, you know, sort of like, it's a lot different. That's all I'll say. And it was, uh, you know, shocking, you know, it's like, he said, just like, you know, there are no paid ads. Those are illegal. I was like, wow, that's a good wow. rule. <laughs> right? Really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's yeah. fascinating. Right. Yeah. Huh. Right. Anyway, let's, let's, let's move on. <laughs> okay. All right. So now you told me in college, you were a philosophy major, which I find fascinating because <laughs> now you're an entrepreneur and, uh, and running your own business and doing social media. So yeah. talk a little bit about how you decided to become a philosophy major and maybe, um, you know, cause most people would probably freak out, probably parents, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right. Well, you know, so when I started college, um, I, I declared as a chemistry major. Um, I love science. Um, so, you know, but, that's but good, I, right? I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty eclectic person. I mean, I, a lot of, I like a lot of different things. Um, you know, I, as I, as I took, uh, the first class for me was really easy because it was largely a repeat of what I had in high school. I was really fortunate and, you know, I had, I had great high school classes where I, where I went. And, and so honestly, my first year, my first semester of college was deceptively easy. I paid for that my second year of, or my second semester of college because I, I thought it was a cakewalk. And, and, and so I didn't, do anything in my second semester and, and I paid the price, okay. but it was a wake up call for me. I mean, I had, I had like a D average. Yikes. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and so, so the it's level like, of effort was that you, for your first uh, semester that did, had you performing okay, didn't, didn't basically translate in semester two. Right. <laughs> that, that, that's right. I mean, okay. it was so much of a repeat of what I had in high school. Right, and, right. you know, I, I mean, honestly, I was able to coast a lot in high school too. I mean, sure. fortunately for me, school was pretty easy. So, gotcha. uh, so it was a wake up call. I, I, you know, I had, uh, I think I had a, a 1.6 average out of five, uh, you know, and it's wow. like, Whoa, this is, this is not where I want to be. Uh, and so, I, uh, it was a, it was a wake up call. I had to take some classes over again to remove those, you know, those bad grades. Right. And, uh, and yeah, you know, as, as I did that, it's just like, you know, I don't really see myself wearing a lab coat, you know, every day, <laughs> day in, day out. Right. And, you yeah. know, and then I'm sure that that's so stereotypical, you know, of, of chemists that they probably, you know, laugh when I say that, but you know, that's kind of what I was thinking. It's like, I just don't see myself doing this. So, mm. Um, I've always been fascinated by astronomy and looking at the stars. I did mm -hmm. that, you know, uh, as a young kid, I remember, you know, a lot of the lunar eclipses and, and solar eclipses and things like that. Um, and so I decided to switch to, to physics, um, where I was going to, to college, which is Missouri state in uh, Southwest Missouri. Okay. Um, they had, uh, they had a, a really nice astronomy program in their physics department. Okay. And so, uh, while I was technically my, my, you know, I shifted my major over to physics, I was really focusing on astronomy. Okay. Um, and, and then, you know, I just, the, the summer of my, um, sophomore year, I thought, you know, I just don't see myself doing this either. So okay. it's like, I blew up my schedule at the beginning of the fall and I started, I just signed up for classes that I knew nothing about. 
Um, you know, so you I, I mean, I kind of explore mode basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Perfect. And, um, so I, you know, I signed up for anthropology and sociology classes and philosophy classes and, and some literature classes, uh, you know, kind of stepping far, far away from the sciences for a, a semester. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a revelation to me. And, uh, you know, the first day I, I missed the very first day of class because I was so busy changing my schedule <laughs> Okay. that, uh, so I walk in, it was a Monday, Wednesday, Friday class. I walk in the first class of my semester, uh, which was a Wednesday morning and it was a philosophy class. And here's this guy that if you know what Kurt Vonnegut looks like, you know, he kind of has, or Albert Einstein, even, you know, wild, crazy hair, (laughs) this guy's sitting on top of the desk, he's wearing jeans and got cowboy boots. And he's just talking about this stuff. And it's like, wow, wow, this is just unbelievable. I mean, I've thought about some of this stuff before, but I never had the encouragement to really go deeper into it. Sure. And, and so I knew right then and there what I was going to major in. Um, you know, and, uh, it, it was the best decision I ever made. Uh, I love learning. And, and I think that's why philosophy resonated with me so well, because, you know, I mean, um, philosophy gives you, uh, the opportunity to, to, you know, to learn about so many different things, whether it's, uh, you know, the, the social sciences, whether it's, uh, the hard sciences, you know, um, Yeah. And so it was, it was a blast and, and, uh, I knew right then and there what I was going to do. And, you know, I, I worked my way through college. I worked, um, you know, 40 to 50 hours a week on average throughout college. And so I never knew, I I always knew I was going to be on a five-year plan. So changing majors three times, you know, was not the end of the world because I knew I wasn't going to get done, done and out of there in four years. Got it. Got it. Okay. So talk a little bit about, so, Chemistry, I can imagine mom and dad are fine, right? Chemist, chemistry. Oh yeah, my mom make, wanted me to be a pharmacist, so, so she there loved you go. it. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> right. that's all parents really, unless they're hippies or philosophers. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> all they really want you to do is get a job. You know, that's and they right. want you to that's be right. safe and secure. And yeah. uh, and you know, I've I've had time to contemplate these things, right? Um, because now, like, I'm you know, 48, right? Yeah. I have to to think about it. Yeah. I'm 48. Right. right? And I'm retired air force guy, but I've never really like grown up. You know, I've just sort of like picked up things I know I can do. That'll pay me. Yeah. That's that's what my life has turned out to be. Okay. All right. Um, and now I think, you know, like I have a buddy, I have two friends, one I'm still close with. He's a chemical engineer, right? And he, you know, chemical engineers can write their own ticket always, mm-hmm. you know, and I think yeah. back, you know, and, and I think, man, why didn't I do chemical engineer or any kind of engineer? It would have been so much easier work-wise now. Yeah. Right. And then I think again, I think, you know, if you could have done that, you probably would have, <laughs> 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 but none of that made sense to me ever, yeah. you know, um, he, I think there's a there's a big di- it, and I've learned this about say like uh, engineers have a particular kind of math enabled brain that makes that very much doable work for them. <laughs> yeah, a- absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think the entrepreneur brain is is wired not the same, but again, it's a, either you're born that way or there are experiences um, young in life 
like say your parents are entrepreneurs and they're encouraging you to adopt these sort of like mindsets early in your life. Um, and then you become an engineer. It's almost like not an engineer, an entrepreneur. Um, you know, so the only, you know, I, I listened to this other guy and he was like, um, there's three calls that, um, in life, there's like a call to power, a call to achievement and a call to meaning. And of those three, the only one that ever made sense to me was the call to meaning. If -hmm. that makes any sense to you. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. That's that. I think that's why I settled on philosophy. Right. right. (laughs) (laughs) Because the the only question, you know, like, you know, achieving things has never, you know, like if you said, Hey, why do you do these things? It, It was never because I wanted to get an award or, you know, have like an extra label next to my name that never made any sense to me. Um, or I could be in charge of more people, you know, (laughs) I didn't want to be in charge of the people I was in charge of, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it was one of those things that the military made you do, but I was always like, ew. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, so I, I think we're, we're on the similar path as far as like, um, you know, the call to meaning, you know, I took one philosophy, philosophy class. Um, somewhere along the road and it was, it was probably my favorite, favorite class ever Mm, in college. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I didn't end up, you know, doing the philosophy degree. I ended up going psychology, Um, but you know, similar, similar sort of, yeah. It's looking at the way people think and behave and, uh, people fascinate me. So, okay. I was always really interested in, uh, how how you can apply philosophy. So there are a lot of esoteric philosophers out there like Immanuel Kant, you know, mm-hmm. and they're so abstract and, you know, so numerical that it's like I, I wasn't really drawn to, to those. I was, you know, my favorite classes were, you know, uh, philosophical ideas and literature, you know, and then you read uh, books like 1984 or – Love that uh, book. Yeah, or, uh, you know, uh, Brave New World. Mm. Uh, Cat's Cradle by Kurt Vonnegut, which, Mm. you know, is a book that honestly a lot of people ought to pick up right now because it's about, you know, a large segment of society being displaced because of automation. Okay. And, oh, and, and we're, we're, we're not far away from that, unfortunately. And, We've been and doing that, that meme for a while. It's just, we have, but it takes, we have it, it takes different forms, but I mean, it, yeah. it always comes back. Yeah, but I don't think as a society we're we're not preparing for that. I mean, you know, right. we're talking about in, you know, in 5 years it's possible that there will be very few over the road truck drivers because those right. will be automated. those will be automated vehicles. Right. Um, you know, what are those folks going to do for right. a living? Right. You know. know. What's yeah. that going to I mean, they're not going to be earning money, they're not going to be paying taxes. What are they going to do, and what is that the impact on society? I mean, these are that, that's why I got excited about this stuff because it just made me think, you know, and it made me think about things that I normally mm. wouldn't think about. And I, right, I guess that's right. what I like about philosophy. And yeah. it's rolled over perfectly, you know. The demands in in my job as a, as an online marketer, uh, it, it requires constant learning, and that's honestly why I love what I do. Mm-hmm. Have you ever read the Brothers Kazmirov? Am I saying that right? You know, I have, <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't, but, um, I, I did read, uh, uh, I did read some other Russian authors, mm. um, Dostoevsky. Right, right. Um, yeah. Amazing. Um, 
I mean, yeah. it, it's fun. <laughs> I never yeah. thought literature could be so fun to read. Yeah. But Tim yeah. Ferriss uh, and somebody else on his show talked about the Brothers K. And I was like, wow, that sounds really fun. <laughs> I you know, picked it up and it was awesome. Yeah. That's that's a book that I never have read. I, I've read a lot of other things by Dostoevsky, but not that. Yeah, check it which out. Which is kind of his crowning achievement, I think, thing, in a lot of people. The thing I, I liked about it was was he he never put a fine point on what you what you're supposed to think. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. And I exactly. think that's the job of the author is not to tell you what to think, but to 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 have all the thoughts that we all do, and then, yeah. and then you know go oh wow these these are fleshed out like people like people you know yeah you know yeah. not just like this is how it was, and then this <laughs> the bad guy did this and telling yeah. you and moralizing and things you know yeah um, that that can be rewarding as well but but you know for me I I I'm like you I prefer the I I prefer the things where we get to finish the paint you know, the, exactly. the painting ourselves yeah correct right you kind of like go hmm interesting. It just, yeah. it makes you think and then like try to figure out your own path. It's almost like it's, it's laying out the story and you get to, yeah, like, like finish the painting in your head. That's a really cool, well said. <laughs> I like that. I've never heard, it's, it's, I've never heard it put exactly like that before. Yeah. So I, I was, um, I was on another podcast recently and they asked, you know, what my favorite book was and, mm. and I, you know, I, I forgot the name of it all of a sudden when they asked me that question. Of course. You know, but, but uh, yeah, it did come back to me pretty quickly. And it, you know, one of my favorite books, if not the favorite, is uh, a sheltering sky. The, the the sheltering sky. Oh, okay. Um, and it's a book that, again, I think is very. It's very sim- cinematic. Um, and he asked me what it was about, and I, I honestly couldn't even tell him it, because it was, it was an experience. You know, reading the book, and it was a journey, and it took me in a place you know, in, in, uh, North African desert that, uh, I have no knowledge or understanding of. And, and it was just fascinating to me. And, and that's, I think that's the kind of stuff that I like, you know, I, you, you know, when we were talking uh, a little bit before, uh, you had mentioned, um, the, the breakfast club right? and yeah. I, it's a movie I've never seen because really? I, I, I'm not really, I, I mean, don't get, I, I've never seen the movie, so this is going to sound judgmental, but to me, it sounds like it's probably formulaic. Totally formulaic. And and I kind of shy, shy away from those things. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. I no. like I like things that uh, that are complicated and not not neatly in a box. I'm with you on that. Yes. Um, you know, I, I, I watched that movie and it's about high school and I think I watched it in high school. <laughs> okay. All right. So it's just an easy reference for folks our age that would typically know that movie but yeah. it's very much a a, a a movie about high school stereotypes so okay yeah so there's like a jock and okay. uh there's a nerdy kid and there's a uh hmm, i don't know what you how you'd label him but a guy that does drugs <laughs> okay. All right. and then sort of like a preppy princess and then a basket case girl right Ooh. Okay. So, and, and then everybody is just, and then the asshole teacher <laughs> <laughs> and they're all in like Saturday detention because somehow or some way they got in trouble. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, but you're right. I mean, it's very formulaic. Um, it, the only reason I bring it up in the pre-show chat is, uh, it, it's just sort of like a nice touch point for, you know, what were you like in high school? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Were all you right. a nerd or, you know? So, you know, yeah. okay. So what were you like in high school again? <laughs> so, 
so you know that's that's interesting because um, I I mean I I and again it's interesting how you how you kind of label yourself but I right. kind of saw myself um, as one of like the ten or fifteen middle class kids. <laughs> wow! I went okay. to I went, I went to I went to a high school where um, you know the kids I don't think were like super rich but they were much more affluent than than me and and my friends. Okay. Uh, and so we had that extreme, but we also had, you know, a lot of fairly poor kids, you know, that, and we were, we were solidly probably lower middle class, you know, and okay. we were, my, I grew up, I was very comfortable, was very fortunate, but you know, I mean, we watched our pennies. We didn't, you know, we didn't, we had to make a lot of conscious decisions about, you know, when we took family vacations and how much we spent on meals and things like that. Okay. Um, my mom probably squirreled away a lot more money than any of us ever know. Okay. You know, but, but the mentality of when we grew up is that, you know, that we were very much that way. So, so because of that, I was, um, you know, I, I, I felt really comfortable with almost everybody in high school. I didn't mm. really care, you know, where, you know, how much money their parents may have made or, you know, what their, um, philosophy or political ideas or, you know, sexual orientations, I, that didn't, that didn't care. That didn't, didn't factor into me at all. I mean, I just liked the fact that I could talk with a lot of different people and, and, and share their lives and understand, you know, what their stories were. Mm. Um, and I guess I've always tried again, you know, maybe this is an idealization of myself, but I've always tried to think of myself still as very much that person where, um, I don't, I don't get wrapped up in a lot of that stuff. Okay. Uh, to me, to me, it's more important to just, you know, live with the, the other people that we find in our communities. Mm, mm-hmm. I so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, is, yeah. So high school for me was, uh, I mean, you know, I certainly hung around with a lot of very intelligent kids being in the science programs that I was. Right. You know, and I remember, you know, several of my friends, you know, would get like near perfect ACT scores and, and you know, just crazy stuff, mm. you know, and, and I did, I did well, you know, not, not like crazy good like these guys did. But, but, you know, it's like, um, I, I wasn't, I was kind of, kind of a nerd, kind of a geek. I, I guess I would tr- trend toward nerd maybe yeah, in, yeah. in my yeah, era. Yeah. Right. Um, but, I, but I was also very rebellious. I mean, I, uh, I, I used to go to, uh, high school dressed, um, you know, in ripped t-shirts with a sports jacket on, um, <laughs> and, and wearing my dad's old quilted thermal underwear from, you know, probably 30 years old. Wow. And then I had these giant downfilled boots. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll never forget my, uh, my physics teacher. He, he used to just laugh at me and, and he periodically would make me, he would give me a, a, a reason to have to go to the front office to deliver something from his classroom, <laughs> just, just to make me walk, uh, in front of the administrators, uh, you know, which makes Dressed me laugh because yeah. it's like, yeah, cause yeah. it's like, well, who cares? I mean, I do, I've this already put these clothes day. on, you know, <laughs> exactly. I've been doing this for the entire year. So right. it's like, why are you surprised? <laughs> <laughs> That's, it's funny that, that you, uh, you had, I haven't run into um, someone because I call that sort of like the ambassador, right? You were almost like, yeah, you had your friends and they were probably trended nerdy. Um, I did too, right? So okay. I, I know I'm, I'm really glad though that I did have an eclectic group of folks that I hung out with on a regular basis because yeah. I had a couple of friends. Um, one, 
one friend, he's the guy that ended up uh, as a chemical engineer, right? So okay. he was really, really good at math. But because he was really good at math, it made me try harder at math. Because, yeah. you know, I wanted to hang out with him. I'm not really good at math. <laughs> I'm okay at math. But it, it was always, like, probably the thing that I struggled with the most. You know? Okay. But, I mean, yeah. if I applied myself, and, and as long as, you know, I asked a lot of questions and worked hard, I did okay. But yeah. definitely not something that's coming naturally sort of thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then I had another. His best friend was big into uh, drama. So he always Ooh. wanted to do plays and stuff. Okay. So I ended up doing that too, <laughs> you know, and that was a lot more, um, interesting to me that, Ooh. that was fun. Um, yeah. that was easy. Um, so that's kind of like when I, I figured out if I was anything, I was probably an extrovert. Right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, but I, yeah. I also did like, like to, you know, sort of like ambassador between all the different, you know, these guys are nerds. These guys are jokes. Mm -hmm. These are the cool kids. And I was, I was okay, you know, not necessarily hanging out with all of those folks, but I would be okay with like, um, you know, talking to anybody, you know? Yeah. 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 yeah no, that's a great word. I mean, I, that actually, I think fits pretty well for what I did because, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a pretty non-conforming person. Yeah. Um, I can tell. I, yeah. <laughs> And, and, you know, I mean, I was a pretty good athlete. Um, my brother was, uh, uh you know, a high, uh, a high school catcher, uh, all state, I think. Wow. And, you know, they, I remember that there was an article written about him in the paper and, uh, you know, which is great for him, you know, but because of that, it kind of made me say, uh, uh-uh, I'm not doing this. Yeah. It was the same with me. Yeah. So, because anything that he did was stupid. <laughs> it wasn't stupid. It was just, I was just, I was just going to be different because right. I, I, I needed to be different. I mean, that's, that was the big thing for me. Yeah. My brother was the jock. So everything, and, and he was also three years older than me and therefore my torturer. Right. Okay. So, so all the way up until probably I was 14. Right. Hmm. And here's my yeah. therapy session with Ken <laughs> up until, uh, girls became a thing in my mind. He was, okay. he was, uh, my arch enemy. Okay. Then suddenly when, you know, I was putting on clothes and trying to attract, you know, women, girls, uh, at 14 plus, I suddenly realized he was doing much better than I was. <laughs> <laughs> suddenly everything he did was awesome. And I wanted wow. to follow him around and, you know, learn what, you know, what I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, yeah. So anyway, yeah. But yeah. I, I, as far as like sports went, I, I was sort of like rebelling against him as a as a younger kid, you know. Yeah. And I never really did like sports. I mean, okay. I probably would have done better in an in a non competitive sort of a situation. I don't know why, but I, I think he was very competitive, so I didn't want to be like him. Right. So yeah. who knows what I would have been like, you never know, you know, if you go back and change a little thread, then you become a different person, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I did love sports. I, I played a lot of sports. Mm, right. Uh, I just, I wasn't going to do it as part of a team and I certainly was, wasn't going to do it, uh, as a part of high school. <laughs> I needed, <laughs> I needed to be outside of that experience and, uh, you know, it, uh, I, I don't know why now it was such a big deal to me, but it was. So let's, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about like your, your work life. So okay. after college, 
What was, did you, did you start a business right away or did you, did you have a job? No, I, I went to work. Um, I, I went to graduate school. Um, wow, okay. I, I worked for a year after, after I graduated my undergraduate degree to kind of build up a little bit of, uh, a, a buffer again, uh, from being a, a poor college, yeah, right, poor right. college student. And so, um, I did that for, for a year and I went back and I got a master's degree in public administration okay. and I kind of envisioned that I would be going into like city management, you know, okay. um, I, I've always been interested in public service. Uh, and, and, and it, that's why, you know, public administration was much more, uh, to my liking because it was not being in the forefront, like a politician, mm. you know, would be, uh, you know, it, and, and so, um, when I was graduating, the job market was pretty tough. And, um, I decided I, I kept coming in second on a lot of job interviews that I was having okay. because I didn't have any experience. So it's like, I don't care where it is, or what it's doing. I'm going to take the next job that I, I mean, I'm going to take the job that I'm offered. I don't care, you know, where or what it is. Okay. Well, it wound up bringing me to St. Louis and it was working with the department of the army. Uh, oh, wow. you know, yeah. And it was, uh, it was you. really something that was, um, you know, it, it actually worked out really well for me and fit my my strengths really well because it was very analy analytical in the sense that it was systems analysis. Mm -hmm. I went in and we looked at business processes for the logistics um, part of uh, you know the the uh, the, the way that uh, you know different parts um, and and um, uh, supply chains and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff are, are uh, supporting, you know, the mission. Right. And, and then, so that was the analytical part, but then the creative part was, you know, we got to improve the business processes and, and make recommendations. And then we automated, you know, the process and we simulated the process. So there was a really great mixture of wow. some creative, but also a lot of the analytical. Mm -hmm. And that really set me up for, you know, for a great career. Um, I, you know, back in college, I hated computer programming. I, I, I took a class. I immediately dropped it because it's like, I, this is not what I want to do. Right. Um, but, um, but you know, then when I, when I got into my, uh, working life, uh, I quickly found that, uh, that was something that I was going to have to do. Okay. And so, um, then I, I, I wound up working on two very large software development projects for the department of defense, mm -hmm. uh, four year each uh, each of those projects for what we call full software lifecycle, wow. where we where yeah. we started with the business process, we modeled it, we optimized it, we we uh, we wrote the software to support the 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 redesigned business processes, and then we you know we saw it go into into maintenance mode, and I got to do that for four years. Um, the last project I worked on, I actually was a project manager where I had a team of. Um, 40 some odd software developers working on a project for the air force, which was really cool. Wow. Uh, and, and, and I love, I love big complex stuff. I'm a big picture thinker. Mm. Uh, the, the, the time that I did coding drive would drive me nuts because while I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at logic and, and, and that kind of stuff, I really don't like detail work. Mm, and I'm so, you, yeah. uh, you, like you know, picture stuff. Broad I do, stuff. I, I yeah. do. And, and so I, I love the fact that I had to figure out how do we get, all of this stuff done, you know, across this team of 40 people plus, you know, we, and we were working in, uh, on an entire project team, probably of 150 or more people. And, 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 and I love that. I mean, it was a blast. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and, and so after so I did that, did you work with a bunch of engineers? Uh, well, they were software developers, software developers, so, software engineers. So kind of yeah, engineers. Yeah. Kinda, yeah. Yeah. Some, some of the people were very much systems engineers where they're, you know, they were looking at capacity and planning and, mm-hmm. you know, load, load, uh, speeds and, and, and load balancing of, um, you know, the, 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 um, traffic, you know, that right. would be put onto the, onto the servers. So yeah, very, some of those folks were very much in engineers. Right. Um, but yeah, because of that, I, um, I actually got a great opportunity to go to, for a, to work for another company where I basically ran, uh, the government business development unit. And, uh, oh, and, and I absolutely love that. Yeah. I did that for, for eight years, uh, got to travel all over the country. Um, you know, was, was fortunate to, to, to basically give, be given an opportunity where the basic, the business basically didn't exist, uh, in that aspect of the business. And I was able to grow it very substantially. So, and I, so I got the, I got the benefit of being able to run and grow and build a business within a business, Mm -hmm. uh, before I started my company. Yeah. Wow. That, it's almost like a free education in how to be, how to be an entrepreneur. It was, but yeah. I tell you there was, the downside to that was, again, it was, it was pretty easy, but the thing that I learned the most and, and, a, you know, really a big no, no is that I was working with somebody else's money. It wasn't right. my money that right. was on the line. Yes. So when I started my company, it was like, oops, and I made, you know, bad financial decision after buying bad financial decision, right. uh, you know, because uh, you didn't really was, have any money. Yeah, exactly. And the money I had, problem. <laughs> yeah, and the money that I did have, I didn't, I didn't make the best uh, use of it. So right. that's why uh, you know I, I really feel like uh, you know in the twelve years, twelve and a half years now that I've had my business, um, we've reinvented ourselves at least five times. Mm-hmm. You know, and, when and, it's your money, and, you think a lot differently. You do. You do. <laughs> Remember, it's a lot more government, too. government exists to spend money, right? So yeah. <laughs> there's always yeah. too much money around that you're looking to spend. <laughs> Trust me, I know. Yeah. I was in the Air Force yeah. 20 years. It's always like, yeah. hey, did you spend that million dollars yet? And it's like, no, <laughs> leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I know. So it's completely different. Okay. It is. So let's let's talk about uh, the first version of your business. The, okay. The, the version one point whatever, or point oh, yeah. or what? <laughs> okay. Yeah. So this is, um, you know, I started my business probably, well, certainly not for the right reasons. Okay. Um, I think I had a pretty good business idea that, um, my previous employer didn't really want to pursue. Okay. And, you know, the bullheadedness in me, um, was convinced that I could do it and, and, and do it really well. And, and that there was a great opportunity there. Um, I learned some pretty hard lessons that, um, you know, I, we were working with a very large software vendor, um, that, uh, I won't name, but they, you know, they led me down a path. I was very naive. I spent a lot of money investing in training and education of staff. Um, you know, we were the first people certified in, you know, in, in a new area that, uh, just never panned out. And okay. so, uh, from the get go, you know, within the first couple of years of having the business, um, you know, I did the things that were easy for me that kind of translated over from my previous career, but it wasn't really where I, what I wanted to do or where I wanted to go. Gotcha. Uh, but it was, it was kind of that, you know, kind of that, uh, bootstrapping where you, 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 you do what you need to, to get some revenue flowing in while you're, 
positioning <laughs> yourself to be able to take advantage of the opportunities you really want to go after. Gotcha. Um, and, and so that, that just didn't really pan out. Um, we, I think we were on, you know, in, in the 2.0 version, we I was really excited because we started to shift into, uh, web application security, okay. which, uh, was, was a, a great opportunity. Uh, we put together some great campaigns. We had a ton of business potential lined up and mm. then the economy blew up in 2008. Right. Um, and literally half of the people that had told me that they wanted to be working with us within the next three to six months literally lost their jobs. Their budget was gone. Their budget was gone or they were gone. Right. And, and all free, all spending was frozen. And so it's like, that's when we came up with uh, 3.0 and that's where we shifted over completely into the, uh, into the, uh, online marketing space. Gotcha. Wow. Yeah. So that yeah. was like the first version of what you're doing today. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Started in 2008. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And that's now you're in a, in a, an exploding space basically now. I mean, it's like everybody, yeah. everybody needs to, every time you go to a, a company's website, I, I, uh, you know, I don't want to do it, but I'm like, wow, <laughs> there's still so many of these out there, especially in, you know, the businesses that are primarily just local, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And I, right. I think that's where your focus is, right? Yeah, I have a yeah. real passion for working with uh, with the local, local businesses, yeah, small businesses, and maybe maybe sometimes um, too much so for the benefit of of my company and my personal. Um, but but you know, it's not always about me. It, you know, it, it I've, I I can I can only be happy with myself if I'm helping people. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and so sometimes I probably give more away than I probably should. Okay. Uh, but, but that's okay. I mean, you know, if I would have stayed in the career working for the previous company that I was at before I started my company, I'm not so sure that I would be here today. Mm. Um, I think stress probably would have done me in right now. Right, right. And, uh, you know what, that's why I think anybody who's thinking about being an entrepreneur, look, it's not easy and you're going to fail and you're, you might fail a lot, mm. but don't be afraid about uh, failing because it's, it's part of the process. Uh, the key is learn from it, you right. know, build upon those experiences, find what works for you. Uh, but at the end of the day, you got to be happy doing what you're doing. And if you're happy working with somebody else or for somebody else, that's great. Do it, you know, right, be right. happy with that. Yeah. Um, but, but if you're not, you know, Think about what you might be able to do on your own and, and, uh, and the opportunities and the adventure that you have. Mm -hmm, for sure. I think, you know, um, entrepreneur doing your own thing, it, it, you have to, you know, I think I read a lot, a lot of these sort of like, do you have what it takes? Do you have the right mindset? Right. And, and the answer always came back. No. Right. <laughs> Whenever I took these surveys, it was like, do you have what it takes? Do you, do you give a shit enough? Do you, do you yeah. have enough passion? Um, you know, and, and they would always come back. No, right. You huh. should just go get a job. And I would always be like, but no, I don't want a job anymore. I want to try this thing. It took yeah. me a long time and now I'm okay with just having a job. <laughs> yeah. But you yeah. know, it, it took me a long time of trying and learning that, that to, to figure out that those surveys were actually accurate. You know, I didn't want to believe it, you know, no, yeah. I can change. <laughs> <laughs> I probably yeah. could, but you know, at this point, I mean, uh, I kind of like, I don't, you know, I think if they, if this podcast were to make money, 
and it wouldn't take a whole lot more effort. Um, and I was um, authentically cool with everything that I was doing. That would be great, right? Yeah. Um, but I think it's important that, you know, this podcast for me scratches some sort of other kind of itch, mm, okay. right? Like yeah. a creative kind of itch that it, I would do it for free. And I, yeah. you know, it doesn't yeah. cost that much. I mean, the budget is like about $800 a year <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To, okay. to keep this yeah. thing going. That's not that bad, you know? Yeah. Yeah. A, a pretty cheap hobby is what I like yeah. to say. So, you know, yeah, absolutely. If, if, Somehow, somewhere, I get so incredibly awesome. Somebody comes and says, "Hey, we want to pay you." <laughs> okay, <laughs> cool. Let's do that. You know, but otherwise, yeah. I'll just keep doing it for free. Yeah, yeah, anyway. yeah. It's really nice when you can find something that you love to do where you also get paid to do it. A- Amen. That's you know, the truth. And, and uh, you know, I, I guess those are the people that I'm maybe the most. Um, jealous of or, or, uh, you know, admire the most are those people that just clearly, you can just tell they absolutely love what they do. I mean, I mm. think about somebody like Sammy Hagar, you know, I'm not, right. I, I mean, I, I like his music well enough, yeah. but watch the guy and you just, you know, he absolutely loves what he does, right. you know, or Jimmy Buffett, another great example, right. you know, and, and, and those maybe are easier, but you know, there are so many other people that you see out there. I mean, uh, John Wood who wrote, uh, leaving Microsoft to, to change the world and started, um, the room to read organization, which is a fantastic nonprofit. Um, you know, I, I follow him a lot on social media and, and mm. you can just tell he loves what he does. And right. You know, that, that's really cool when, when you get to see people, you know, really take uh, take their life to that next level. You know, the thing about that, and you're right, those things, when you see like a, a Sammy Hagar or, you know, you could basically insert any rock star on stage, right? <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> they are having the time of their lives at that moment. But what we don't see is all the crap that they have to put up with to get on stage, Right. That's right. That's right. (laughs) They don't probably love every moment of every day, you know, probably not. But I think there are some that, you know, like Jimmy Buffett or or Sammy Hagar. I mean, I think they, I think they, yeah, I think they do. I think they've got it down. I think when, and that, that whole scene is changing a lot. I think Mm -hmm. like back in the day when, you know, it was sort of like standard practice in the record industry to screw artists. That was just like SOP, you know? (laughs) Oh yeah. Well, and then, and then you get to MTV and it was even worse. Right. Right. Yeah. It's changing now. And especially when, with folks that like Jimmy Buffett, Sammy Hager, they've been around long enough where they don't have to, you know, grind out on the treadmill of, you know, overexerting themselves on tour to sell, you know, some sort of, sales goal, you know, mm-hmm. you're, t- yeah. you're sucking all the blood and the fun out of it, you know, <laughs> if you're exhausted exactly. on the road, you know, so yeah. once they get to the point where they own everything and they're doing what they want to do, then it's, then it's, yeah, then they're in the right spot. Yeah, absolutely. This has been a blast, Ken. So cool. Yeah. Say it has you're, been. Uh, you are at changescapeweb.com. So talk a little bit more about how people can connect with you. Okay. Um, so that's a, that's a great place to start on our website. Uh, our social media is, uh, at changescape, uh, for Twitter, uh, Facebook is facebook.com forward slash changescape. Um, and, and so people can certainly connect with us there. Um, I've been fortunate enough in the last, last year I was able to publish a couple of books. So, uh, if people want to check those out, those are available on Amazon. Um, 
And, uh, you know, that was kind of a lifelong dream of mine that, uh, and honestly, publishing a book is uh, way easier than I thought it would ever be. <laughs> right. Um, you Nowadays, know, so it is, it's th- a lot thank, easier. thank you. Thank you, Amazon for making that happen. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Good. Yeah. For you. So, yeah. So th- those are probably the best places. Um, you know, we, uh, um, yeah, I think, I think that's, I'll just leave it at that. Perfect. Thank you, okay. Ken. This has been yeah, a blast. And yeah. uh, let's do it again sometime. Come back okay. and uh, yeah, maybe six months, a year down the road, catch us up. This is okay. Yeah. You're fun I, to I talk to. You. So okay, you, you definitely have extroverted genes for podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, I'm, I'm very comfortable talking one-on-one and very right. conversationally. Right. But you know, when you, when you put me into, into that artificial construct where, you know, it's like, mm. all right, here are 20 or 50 or a hundred people in a room now go, figure out something to say to somebody. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, th- that's not going to work for me. No, you know, I have, you know, I would say primarily I'm an extrovert, but if you try to send me to one of those things where you're at a networking event and you're supposed mm-hmm. to give your elevator pitch a million times, yeah. I, I don't ever want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't either. Uh, I, I don't that either. That is not fun. I, and I've worked hard to try to structure my business so that I have to do that as little as possible. Amen. Amen. All right, yep. Ken, uh, right. I'm going to hit stop on the recorder. You don't necessarily have to hang up immediately. Okay. All right. Hold on. All right. Thanks for taking the time to ride along with us on another episode of Vroom Vroom Veer. For podcast info and show notes, be sure to head over to vvveer.com. That's triple V-double-E-R.com. Man, that's fun to say. And we'll catch up with you next time here on Vroom Vroom Veer. Vroom Vroom Veer.